podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Welcome to FYP podcast number 314, the final pod of the decade. And it says here, introduce everyone, because JD has left me copious notes, including the fact that I have to introduce everyone. So I'm Kevin Day. Is that okay, JD? Uh, and I'm pleased to say well, that John Curran is here. I'm delighted to be here. Really? Uh, Jesse Boyce is here. Happy New Year, Kev. Happy John. New Year to you. And uh, we're doing it in my house. It's just like the old days. It's great, isn't it? I'm getting, I'm getting quite emotional. The coffee is as good, though, as the coffee you get in Soho. Well, the, the coffee you just bought in? Yeah. Not because you <laughs> yeah. didn't trust my coffee. Well, yeah, you know, it was which, is, which is lovely. You gave me a bottle of Prosecco and then some decent coffee, as you put it. It was very nice. Yes, Merry Christmas to you all, because it's, it's still that. And uh, a Happy New Year. And uh, I'm following JD's instructions. Don't say Merry Christmas. Each week we read our iTunes reviews from our listeners. That's good, isn't it? This one's from Palace Wurzel. I assume he's from the West Country, or has got an allotment. Uh, his review is simply entitled Therapy. I always turn to this pod when Palace have lost, so there's been plenty of episodes over the years. JD-style <laughs> joke there, very good. The likes of Kevin and James make you laugh with their rants, and Andy and Adam reassure with their sense of perspective. Essential for all Palace fans. And in block capitals, I have to say it loudly, shout out to our Patreon. It was Nathaniel Barrett. And if you want a shout out, you can join at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. And I've been asked to mention that we have just a couple of tickets left for our live podcast, which is on Friday, January the 17th at Streatham Space Project, 7.30 p.m. You can go to eventbrite.co.uk or our social platforms or Google FYP podcast live. And we're not only doing a podcast live, we're doing a proper palace quiz as well with videos and all sorts and uh, we'll have a special special guest who we're still not allowed to say ex-player so anyway boys welcome uh, to my house welcome to Christmas and the new year Uh, let's start there's only one place to start really Jordan are you best ever goal at Selhurst Park Um, it it was it was beautiful it was absolutely incredible I usually sit where Jesse sits, so you would have had a perfect, it was right close up. I was actually at the other end of the main stand, because I was with my family who came over from Rwanda, and my little nephew's got Down syndrome, used to play for the foundation, but we still got the sense of how brilliant that goal was, mm. even from the other side. I'm, it's up there for me with Ian Wright against Brighton. Really? Yeah, it's that good. Um, it, looks, those, it looks better... I don't think any of us realised at the time, Jesse, how good a goal it was. I did realise that you weren't there behind me, John. Oh, thanks, Jesse. <laughs> thanks a lot, mate. I did. Nice one. I turned yeah. around to uh, to share in that moment, but you weren't there. So, uh, 
We'll so do it now instead. <laughs> you don't talk a lot during the games, then. Clearly. I'm, I'm catatonic. <laughs> always a half-time <laughs> nod. Boxing, yeah, yeah. nod. Boxing day games are always a bit of a blur anyway, yeah, aren't they? But you're right, I did have... It was basically next to the tunnel in a straight line with the six-yard box, pretty much. So, got a great view of that. And a friend of mine was over back home from New Zealand, a friend who's moved over, so got him tickets. He was sat right there as well. So, it was it was pleasing to finally be in the right vantage point for a great goal at like that. Um, I've, I've been just sort of uh, people are getting text messages from all sorts of random Arsenal fans and Chelsea fans afterwards after seeing that. I think no one knew that I had that in him really. I, um, I got a random text from a Hereford fan, which is just like Rashid Harkook, <laughs> yeah. which is a name a lot of you won't remember. But, it's, but it, there's, all, there's always one Churlish Palace fan, and there was one bloke afterwards. But well, he only did it because he lost control of it. The pirouette, the yeah. pirouette, because he lost control of the ball. He was reaching out to get it, and it's kind of it's so sort of about the rest of it. It's where it sort of his momentum carried him through. But it's so that's like every messy goal. Yeah, yeah. basically. Right. But yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I think it's all. It's not particularly fair to say it's all the more surprising that it was him that did it rather than. Wilf and Wilf was the only one who looked a bit pissed off <laughs> didn't quite join in the celebrations as much as the others because no, no, it should no, have been me but. you know you're actually weirdly enough I've watched that about six or seven hundred times yeah. and then I've done an analysis on Wilf and his reaction when the goal goes in and he stands still for about two seconds because mm. he's synthesizing the goal and then all of a sudden he sprints like this he accepts that was incredible and just runs to Runs to him. Well, it's it's really interesting as well because Declan Rice hinted afterwards that, that possibly one of the reasons why Pellegrini got the sack because he said our fitness is just not up to not up to scratch, oh. and he said the way we've been defending, right. and, and that was clear with 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 that goal because they were so slow to close him down. The keeper made it easy for him, but I mean, if ever a player deserved it, I mean, are you? I mean, and, and let's not forget the the knockback for Kayati's goal, which was. Proper, proper old-fashioned centre-forward play of the sort we've not really mm. seen Benteke or Wickham do. Not that Wickham's had a chance, but that, he had a really good all-round game, I thought, didn't he? I've been really harsh on Jordan. I, I, I said in the pre-season pod he was championship level. I mean, Tom, Tom Maslona shared in, in that sort of view of him at the time. I mean, it's just based on what he didn't contribute last year mm. and what he is over-delivering on a little bit this year. I mean, it's only five goals, but they've all kind of been match-winning goals. They've been important goals. Um, I've been sort of surmising his goal as the pirouette slalom and dink. Mm. <laughs> and when you think Sounds about like an old musical, like, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and when you think about it, that, there is three pretty uh, high-level skills all in one row. It's it's pretty exceptional. It'll be interesting to see where it ranks in goal of the goal of the month. Because everyone's talking about it as a worldie, but I, I goal of the month. Well, no, on BBC when goal of the season. Well, I, that's why I'm interested because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I suspect that it will get lost amongst several Liverpool goals and several Man United long range shots, and people will dismiss it as Jordan I in an unimportant game. But if if it's an old cliche, but if any other club had scored that goal, I mean everyone's raving about the the Moy goal for Brighton, but yeah, that was a better goal than that. If that had been scored by Pookie, for example, that would be mm. goal of the season without a doubt. Yeah, I think it's going to be shown a lot. Yeah. I mean, even FIFA retweeted it, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's a good sign is how yeah. social media reacted away from even the from a national point of view. Just it became a global thing. And I think Amazon loved the fact that they had a goal like that on their show. Yeah. Right. So they made a big noise about yeah. it. So it's. Well, I think it also is all the better for the fact that we absolutely deserve to win. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you agree, but I've noticed a slight change in our attitude in home games the last couple of games. I think we're actually setting out 
with a slightly more positive attitude. It's the best uh, home season for a few years, yeah. isn't it? Mm. maybe since we came up. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, I was more concerned about the West Ham game because the previous game was Brighton, mm. and I thought we w- we weren't. We were shocking. And the win against Bournemouth, we were all, almost because of ten men forced to play uh, yeah, a defensive away kind of tactic that worked perfectly. So I'm still not sure what that home form of us being but we did look really good against West Ham yeah. but just to see if we can continue that type of yeah, it's it's like I'm, I'm kind of contradicting myself here which is uh, I haven't done the pod for a while I remember yeah. that's what I do basically but, um, <laughs> well you've been busy with another pod that's true yeah, well, yeah. Also, um, work commitments unfortunately but yeah. the Opta's stat of the day uh, after the Southampton game is that 14 of our 20 games so far have been nil-nil at half time which okay. is a, a new Premier League record, so maybe that does indicate that we're not setting out to win games as much as I thought. But what did um, Max Mayer two starts, which I'm obviously really pleased with, and I, I think he's acquitted himself well, actually. I felt really bad for him that the goal was ruled out. At yeah, Southampton. I mean, that's, that's where we'll be talking about VAR in a minute, but it was, yeah. that's just one of many terrible injustices that day. It's just pretty typical that it was him that had it chalked off, yeah. because uh, if anyone could do with a sort of tap-in... Cut yeah. back from Wilf, it's him. Yeah. Um, Although my favourite part of that goal was that Wilf didn't realise it had been disallowed because he was still giving it to the Southampton fans. <laughs> he was still, <laughs> still strutting, bearing his chest at them. And they said they started laughing. He more proud of his face. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's it's not a great combo, Kelly and Mayer on that on one's right side, are clearly makeshift second or third choice players in those positions. So that we haven't seen... Um, them combine as well as you as you would see anyone combine with Wilf down the other side. So you, you've definitely seen it. I mean, it's because this was talked about recently. All our goals are coming from the left hand side. side. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Uh, do you think though, uh, John, that Maya playing might give Camarasa some hope that he could be the next one? Because we didn't four or five weeks ago. I don't think any of us would have predicted Maya starting unless it was an emergency centre back. The way things are going, but it's, yeah, uh, I mean that sort of took us by surprise a little bit. Didn't it? I think I don't, I don't think we're going to see Camarasa play. I mean, I, I don't see there hasn't been any sign. Even when Max wasn't playing, there were definite kind of substitute appear. You know, he was on the bench. He was on the bench, which means you're still on the radar. Um, <clears throat> I think he looked in the two games a little bit weak on the ball. Um, his brain was definitely there for those short passes. I think a lot of his passing was quite short, um, which is that kind of number 10 role, but he wasn't playing number 10. Um, so I think Jesse's point is spot on. I think it's really hard for him to come in knowing that he's got some starts. He's playing out of position. He's got Martin Kelly behind him, which is not Martin Kelly's fault. And you're thinking... You know, there's a tall order there. And the previous times he's been playing, he's been playing on the right. So everyone says in Germany, you have to play him down the middle. Mm. We're saying he isn't strong enough. So you're thinking, how do we judge him? Yeah, he's, well, play, he's uh, out of position. We, I mean, we say that. I mean, Hodgson is adamant, and he's said it several times publicly, that he, that he wants to play as a left-sided defensive midfield player, which doesn't seem no. right at all. But if you, if you compare him on, on the right, and then I think in the... Was it against West Ham or one of the games when then he was taken off, but Ayu went on to the right. I think Ayu looks better on the right. He yeah. looks stronger, he's better defensively, yeah. and he can do more with the ball. So you're then saying, well, where is Max Max Yeah, Mayer, you yeah. Know? yeah. and there's, um, you mentioned Martin Kelly, who has been Mr. Dependable, so it was, a, it was a, a real shame he was at fault for the goal against Southampton. And also it led to, it was a game that we looked... We looked like the more likely winner, but in the last fifteen minutes, it was a bit suddenly. You could see the energy drain out of us. I went to yeah, I went to Southampton away. I was right behind the goal. I had a really good 
good view of the, of the pitch. And um, but down the other down the other end, when Kelly gave it away, it was quite a um, deceptive angle mm. being so far away because it looked like it was a bit of a tighter situation than it was when when I saw it on, back on the TV. It was it looked more of a, a glaring error than we, it looked like from the Palace fans' uh, point well, of view. Excited. It's, I, th- I think Tomkins slightly was a bit further forward than Kelly obviously thought he was going to be in the situation. Mm. He looked like Tomkins had it, had it in his mind. I think he was just, he had a chance to dive in and sacrifice himself, but it, it was just as the ball was going into the box. Well, I, that was really interesting because <laughs> to me it looked like Tomkins just didn't have the legs to get back. There was a bit of that too. I, I thought. Then suddenly that makeshift back four did look like a makeshift back four. But I have to say, John, somebody who hasn't got much credit and I think has done really well He's really well. I mean, the Brighton game, it, it, it was awful for him in the first half, but it turns out he was injured in the warm-up and mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have started. But I think since then, he's done He's done really... And he looks like a different player. He looks like a... He looks somehow shorter and stockier mm. and stronger, but I think he's done all right as a makeshift left-back. I mean, he's, cu- he's coming from a, a, the DNA of one of the best passing football teams in, in the world, yeah, yeah. right, that have been for many a decade. So it, it hasn't really surprised me that he knows how to pass a ball and his brain switched on. He, What I'm really impressed with him, I think defensively he's, he's good. Remember, every manager of an opposing team now is going to be saying, go for Kelly and yeah, go for yeah. whoever they're going to be playing on the left. Yeah. Just that, that's all you need to do, right? So he's under enormous pressure there. But he's still linking up with that, that little triangle with MacArthur, Zaha, and PVA, yep. which works so well. He seems to have fitted into that. That that attacking, you know, he's always in the box. Yeah, he's always, you know, when they, so um, I, I'm really impressed. I'm not kind of nervous about him about him playing. Yeah, I did my, my only worry is that and I'm, I'm sure they won't because we, we're desperately short in defence. But they, they might suddenly oh, well, fine. We're not. If PBA is fit, then we've got cover that, in him. We don't need to bring somebody that, in. But that, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation around the wonderful which we'll, Palace. Which, yeah, which, which we'll have later There's on, something yeah. about the Saints game I, I, I do want to say, and, you know, Jesse, you were there, and I was there um, in spirit through a stream. But um, I don't think Ayu jumped once. He was knackered. Yeah. Knackered. Yeah. Kelly's mistake is tiredness. Yeah. That type of mistake is a tired player. Tompkins not looking fast is tiredness. I'm, I said to Dexter, my son, if we get a point from this game, we must be really happy. Um, and that was an absolutely tired team. And it made me so proud of them that they played how they did and they got that point. Because at the time, we were supposed to believe that Southampton were Brazil because they'd just beaten Chelsea, mm. et cetera, et cetera. It also made me really angry, not with Roy, not with it. But the fact that Roy, it feels like, is being cajoled and having to almost flog the horse yeah. at the moment because he hasn't got that infrastructure for squad beneath him and that game the fact that we got a point from it I thought was exceptional well it's interesting Jesse because I think I'm fairly sure it's the Boxing Day they all merge into one but after one of the games Roy Hodgson spoke about being really discouraged for the first time in his football career when PVA got injured Roy said he felt physically sick and thought I just don't know he said I don't know and I just didn't know what to do which is quite a startling admission from a manager of his experience but it does indicate I, I suppose if you're an optimist, you'd say, well, actually, it turns out our defensive cover was better than it, we thought, but it, it's, it's bare bones. We're running on fumes, aren't they, that back four now? I was pretty harsh on Gyro after his, his 45 minutes against Brighton. He was, yeah, I, I think th- everybody was. Yeah, yeah, I think he was, to your point, exposed uh, or targeted mm. uh, his first start of the season, was it? Yeah. Um, and 
he got taken off at half time, which when Roy, which Roy said was an injury, which I took as he's just protecting him. Why? Well, he said that he did say afterwards that uh, he was injured in the warm up. Yeah. So, so there's probably let's forgive him that, but yeah. I def- definitely think he got some new boots for Christmas because he's, <laughs> yeah. he's shown intent and real a real keenness, as you say, to get forward and link up with MacArthur and Zaha. Something he was really quite up for it against well, that. I think he's just it must be just the joy of playing football because if you're a professional footballer I mean we had there's people like Bogart at Chelsea who's quite happy to sit on the bench and take the money but most of them they just want to play football well Joel Ward in, in, the, in the interviews he said all I want to do is being the starting level yeah, yeah. where you put me you know I don't yeah. care I just want to play football and, and one last mention in, in this part of the programme Gaeta's become so good I think that we don't even mention it anymore I mean, three three really top class saves in a row against Southampton. But just his general all round play, he's commanding his box. He's really got to terms with the with the English game. The centre backs, whoever it is, clearly have faith in him because they're not dropping deeper and deeper to protect him. So, I, I, it, but he's, he's still he's not Julian. Is his, his problem? So he's not, he's going to take him. He'll have to be with us for ten years before he's mentioned in the same breath. But I think he's a top class Premier League goalkeeper. You feel like after every game he deserves a special mention. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and then why not? Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's a, and we've let in I think less goals in Man City. I don't know if that's yeah. And that's with the makeshift defence for how many games? Yeah, when Ward when Ward Prowse shaped up for that free kick, yeah. it was we just could not take him scoring that as mm. as a winner because he'd been a, he'd been in the ref's ear. He'd been a, yeah. sniping about. James McCarthy was in his ear a little bit, which yeah. was nice to see. Wouldn't let get well, away. They with they, it. They, I, I noticed that Wilf was getting a bit of protection from Palace players as well because they set out to rile him again, didn't they? That's the new referee set, got, as well. Was uh, it's yeah, interesting? That's why they were on him, right? Because they got him sent off last time or the season yeah. before, didn't they? Well, yeah. We got himself sent off. But, yeah. But oh, I, I think, we've noted that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, I think it's well, I mean, you talk about how good our defence is, but we've won more goals, this, one more games this year than Tottenham and Arsenal. In, yeah, they had terrible ends to the season and still, terrible yeah, starts. Yeah. If, you, if, you were to, if you were to tell any Palace fan at the start of 19, mm. 2019 that we're going to win more games this year, it hasn't always felt like that. Yeah, because yeah. we usually have a great second half yeah. of the season and a terrible start. Yeah. But this year we've had a great end and a good start. Yeah. So, uh, so that's a positive note to end yeah. the first uh, part of it. We'll be back in part two with the, the article from The Athletic. <laughs> back to part two of the FYP podcast number 314 the final pod of the 2010s who would have thought that I'm Kevin Day I'm joined by Jesse Boyce and John Curran and now it's time for uh, our sponsors well our part sponsors although let's be fair our real sponsors sitting opposite here Jesse isn't it Jason yeah. We know in our hearts that we're sponsored by the Athletic, but mm. our hearts are with J- JCIS and Vector. Really. Uh, yeah, and JD doesn't so kind like this yeah. either. I don't know what to do. I, I've got, oddly enough, I do have print and embroidery needs. <laughs> well, I literally don't know where to turn, essentially. But you've also got needs for detailed football analysis. Oh, you're good. <laughs> Which is handy because the Athletic have a world class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. Uh, there's a note here saying, don't sound like you're reading this out. They are a subscription based app and website and they're completely ad free no ads imagine that imagine that John no ads imagine that a site with no ads no annoying pop-ups just brilliant articles welcome to the new home of football writing and if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP you can start a 30 day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription which is £2.50 a month Um, now it's not a Palace article this time because it's uh, and I think that's a good call from JD from afar uh it's an article about VAR, basically. Um, 
and it's a very What's good article. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a, Adam Crafton has written. A, it's a very long, very detailed article, but. Uh, basically, what he says that the VAR crisis is a result of a misguided quest for perfection. It's a mess entirely of football's own making. Uh, before VAR bumbled into the sport, we had a system that worked effectively. Yet a great and defining myth took hold. We came to believe that football was in the midst of a crisis of officiating competence. It was not. We operated a system which four officials called the vast majority of things correctly. But every so often, unfair things would happen to your team. But we couldn't cope with this. We couldn't cope with match officials only calling 96% of decisions correctly, as per figures released by referees director Mike Riley. There may have been narrow room for improvement, but most industries would pine for a 96% efficiency rate and wouldn't seek to revolutionise methods in the face of such numbers. Yet football culture had for several decades abused our referees in every sense of the word. Our players bullied them, screaming expletives, haranguing them, sending middle-aged men backpedalling towards open space for safety. Our managers, players and our media tolerated and indulged a world of dog-whistle insinuations and half-baked conspiracies about our officials. Now, it goes on from there, and I agree with... Just about everybody. I think, I suppose the only good thing you can say about it, boys, is that it is, it is equal rights mucking up, isn't it? It's 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 consistent in uh, ruining the game, basically. And, and, <laughs> and I don't think I don't think even the most ardent. And what what I'm enjoying most is the hypocrisy of people like Chris Sutton, people like Sky, who were the people who led the call for VAR, yeah. who demanded VAR, and are now the people saying it's not working, it's got to change, it's ruining the game. And but we saw. I mean, Wolf was was the, probably the fifth least bad. I mean, the Pookie one was a sh- just shameful. His feet were both his feet were a, a foot behind the defender. Sheffield United one was a disgrace. The the Wolves one was a was a disgrace. And it's. I mean, we're, we're retreading old ground, but I don't think even the most ardent fan of VAR would say it's working at the moment. Jesse would do. No, I don't think. I don't think anyone should really be. Um accepting the current standard i think it's it's a real shame and I'm, i've been bleating on about hawkeye a lot yeah as as a comparison um only because it's there's a, there's a bit of naysaying about anyone who is vehemently against VAR that we just don't like change yeah or that we defend the beautiful game quote unquote and sort of stuck in some nostalgic time warp but i don't think that's fair i think that Never forget that when Hawkeye came in, it was the first tech intrusion of its kind. Mm. And there was a lot of scepticism about that. Okay, we'd seen it work at Wimbledon or a variant of it work at Wimbledon. And um, But let's let's just accept that everyone respects Hawkeye. We've had no problems with that because it's completely bulletproof. Yeah. It's not done anything but confirm goals that might have been ruled out. Now, um, I've had a chat about this on our WhatsApp chat amongst the FYP guys. Uh, someone said, well, um, the problem with Hawkeye is he's just doing one thing very well. Um, and whereas VAR is doing lots of things uh, and getting tested to its limit and all at once it's blown up. Um, now, that's, there's a good point in there, but isn't that just an, uh, the best example of how they could not have been so loose and casual in the way that it's been introduced this year. Well, the technology clearly wasn't ready because you know, Mike Riley's admitted that the frame rate is so slow. You know, the ball, when you, the toe hits the ball, there's, the frame rate's too slow to tell when the toe hits the ball and when the ball leaves the toe. So there's always that room for you. And, John, you and I are not rugby fans, but at least in rugby, the referee will say to the officials, the video officials, give me a reason not to disallow that try i want to give that try but unless you tell me there's something clearly wrong 
what we're doing is that some bloke on one of the TV screens is sent to the referee who's given a goal, no, hang on. There's, he's, he's not even a millimetre offside, he's a toenail offside. It's, it's, and that, they're seeking to, to rid the game of creativity. If there's an obvious error, then of course they should be drawing attention to it. But when it's that close, that's purely a subjective issue because there are two or three of them that I absolutely agree with. You think that's the angle's wrong? That Pookie wasn't offside, it's full stop, simple as that, you, don't you think? See, my voice went up a level. You were, yeah, I, 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 yeah, we're pulling you I off feel, the ceiling at well, the moment. My, I, I was all, you know this, because I banged on about it for two. My big problem with VA, I was always that it will make the game an hour, two hours longer, and eventually it will. But I didn't think it would be like this. I didn't think you had these problems. And it's not, it's not helping the referee. It's not like cricket where the umpire cheerfully accepts that he's made a split-second error. Referees have to stand there looking like idiots while they're being told that they haven't actually made a mistake, but we've spotted a technicality that's that's going to make that goal. And this whole thing about we knew the rule, we knew the law was any part of the body that could score a goal. This whole armpit stuff, and it's it's becoming ludicrous. And you'll end up with with you'll be getting defenders with small feet. <laughs> you know, simply so they're playing, and, and it, it will change the game because, it, like Ian Wright was saying, a striker won't can't play on the shoulder of a defender anymore. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. The VAR's been exposed for the wild experiment that it is, and I think that it just this bundle of incidents all at one in one go has just sort of really tipped it over the edge i think it's going to get scrutinized uh in the way that it should have been before it even was implemented yeah. now and it's i just find it crazy i think it's, there's all these hidden side effects that no one expected uh, even klopp said this week that he's getting concerned about his players losing their body heat and getting injured because of the the waiting times for the decisions. No one saw that coming. And then the things... Pardew was the first one to moan <laughs> yeah, about that. Really? Was he? <laughs> and then, but for so me... I just assumed that was a, a double entendre there, but it, wasn't, it, was a, it was a serious point, wasn't it? So, yeah. So, but yeah. that's interesting, because if any club has benefited from VAR, it's Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think there's been all, the, all these strange things that have, that have ha- occurred because of VAR. It's, it has created delays. The game finishes at five o'clock now. Yeah. Um, it's the cheering of non-goals instead of real goals has, has become a thing, which is Nuno Espirito Santo said on the first day of the season and said it again the other day. He was, um, he was so furious after that. Yeah. John, can I just ask you from a, an organisational point of view, because that's something mm. you know very well. I mean, that's, that's a very good point about the fact that a 96% success rate in any other industry would be considered a thing of beauty something to celebrate wouldn't it um but that that's 96 percent is given by an individual who's part of the system so i i, yeah. I would quite i mean i think i'm going to come from a completely different point of view um i'm going to read out another line by adam from 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 the athletic which is a great article because it should be there for debate, which it's done. And you read this. It said, before VAR bumbled into the sport, we had a system that worked effectively. 
We had a system that was corrupt from the top to the bottom. Tell me how that's effective, right? So when I'm talking from the top, I'm talking... Corrupt in what way? Everything. Throughout the, the, the culture of football is based on a notion of corruption. From feigning injury, from faking a dive, is trying to blag, trying to hustle, all the way to how money is distributed all the way from the top, top body. Question then is, do you want that in football? Is that part of the romance of football? If so, let, let's get rid of VAR, VAR. Okay, that's, that's the premise of where we're starting. Okay, so this is something I think the more VAR we have, the more wearable technology on players' kits we have, bring, bring it on. And it will iron out. What we're seeing, and something when I work in design and innovation, you do prototyping. You quickly, rapidly prototype. And you, you fail and you test and you change. That's what we're going through at the moment. It's painful. It seems wrong. But all the all these things about how can the armpits or this the, these will be ironed out. So we're seeing in Australia, in 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 soccer, in you know not Australian rule, but the, there's a different way that they're using VAR. It's communicate. It's much more so they can take from that. Germany in Germany, people aren't complaining about it. The thing about was it offside or not, or an armpit that's ridiculous. That's got nothing to do with VAR. That's the rule of offside. Wait, that's uh, stupid. But, but, I mean, hundred percent stupid, right? Why, so why, why is the Premier League learning on the job when the A League is clearly, and in the World Cup, mm. they they were a bit more um, organised in the way they were implementing right. technology. The Premier League is a league that uh, an organisational culture with their referees that represent that organisational culture that is not very sophisticated. Isn't it's it? not very... I, I would argue, organisationally, it's not very intelligent. That could be for many different reasons. I think one of the primary reasons is because they rely so much on television, now also gambling money, that they're probably scared to how, how they're going to work this out. So... It goes back to this bigger question. Do we want football? He says here football worked effectively. I totally disagree well, with that. John, it's, 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 it's clear that we, we probably need to do a separate pod on this without a doubt <laughs> because the Athletic are only paying for eight minutes of our sponsorship time, so <laughs> we can't say that too much. But I, I have to say, I, I, I think you're, you're conflating two arguments there because it, if, for me, if, you, if, if you, you could find a way for VAR to stop the World Cup being in Qatar... If you could find a way for VAR to stop endemic corruption in, in FIFA, I would absolutely agree with it. But I, I think that's a different, that's a completely different issue. And, and yes, we do, we all put up with with corruption in football. We know that. We, the, the, there's too much betting in football. There's too, there's too much feigning of injury. There's, football is a, is a broken product, if you like. But that's a very different argument to what VAR, uh, how VAR is working now. And it's not working. It's, it's systemic. It's systemic. I, it's, I don't it's, disagree. Because I mean, if, you, if you go back to Hawkeye and cricket, cricket, right? The bastion of colonial sport, right? Where you never, ever, if you questioned the umpire, mm. you were seen as below kind of the depths of hell, right, as a player. <laughs> Yet they bring in Hawkeye. Yet they will take that away from the umpire who's sacrosanct God, right? And they were prepared to that because they saw it was a fairer, fairer, right, you know. The, the, but so but they, that's, they, the, the, in cricket, these are not judgment calls. But in, sure. in, but in VAR... Hasn't all it's done is replace the referee's judgment call with another referee's judgment call in Stockley yeah, Park? Is it ultimate corruption in the way that we've seen VAR implemented? Is the lack of the use of the on, on pitch monitor? That's a great point. That's fixing VAR, right? Yeah. The pod shouldn't be about VAR, it should be how would we change VAR? Yeah. Because the, the principle works. And also, I'm, I'm convinced it hasn't taken 
What's the decision behind that? Like, the, the decision's been made not to use the pitch side monitor. Yeah. Clearly, every ref's been told, forget about it, you're not allowed to check it. They've been told they're not allowed to check it. The irony is, yeah. I know the theory, because I did a, a radio show with Mike Riley, who said the reason they decided not to do that was to take delay out of the game, because they looked at the World Cup, and they thought too much time was wasted calling the referee to look at... So instead, he has to stand on the pitch talking to the players. Looking like an umpty. Looking but, like an umpty. But, I, but, I think, but then you look at the delays we've experienced, that doesn't ring true. Like The delays are still bad enough in a, in a room in Stockley Park. Well, of course, but it doesn't... And my last point, John, because we do need to move on, is that it, it doesn't remove bias unconscious or conscious because I'm convinced the reason the Sheffield United goal was disallowed was because they couldn't make it there was a foul on Aguero in the build-up definitely a foul on Aguero in the build-up they knew that if they gave that goal the Sheffield United scored following that foul there'd be there'd be problems so it wasn't offside but they decided it was offside it's still not going to make you know referee's still going to think it's Anfield or it's Old Trafford I'm going to I'm going to err on the side of those bigger clubs and that's another of the problems for with I don't, the, uh, I, I'm not sure if that will happen I think if the referee had to go over to the screen on the touchline to see if it was a penalty right and they they know that the whole world are watching them now. In a split mm. second, if you make that decision, that's gone then. Mm. Okay, that ha- comes at the end of the match. That second there, they can't be just thinking, oh, it's Liverpool. But I do agree with you that there is a subjective nature which keeps the romance going. Yeah, okay? I, I, I spoke but we, we, we are going through what we, in anthropology, what we call liminality. Right. Liminality is this nowhere, no man's land, no yeah, person's right. land, where you go from Point one to point two. It's a mm. form of change, organisational change. But it's been designed that way because now we don't know who's in charge. We don't know in, in UK, but in VAR, in, in say A League or in in Germany, it's yeah. a different thing. Well, so well, Clearly, we need to do a full pod on this because I think. Well, happy New Year, anyway. Well, yes, I, I mean, I, I think every football fan, every Palace fan, will be arguing with each other about this. No one's. I mean, that's part of the issue. Is it hasn't taken the debate out of football which everyone's yeah, exactly. was supposed to do but it's clearly an argument for another time possibly after this pod as Jesse's <laughs> aggressively downing another glass of red wine because it looks like he wants to arm wrestle John over VAR I'm uh, so far away so we, um, uh, thanks well uh, obviously thanks to uh uh, Adam Crafton for that brilliant article and The Athletic. Um, you know where to go if you want to read the rest of it. We'll be back in a very short while with your questions. Hello, welcome back to uh, FYP Podcast 314, the final pod of the decade. I'm Kevin Day, I'm here with Jesse Boyce, <coughs> I'm here coughing in the background. Hello. And John <coughs> Curran, who's uh, still grumpy because somebody disagreed with him about VAR. No, I've got no... <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming up in the final part, we'll have a quick look back at the decade um, with our highlights of... It's been a pretty good decade for us, considering where it started. Uh, but first, your questions. Um... So, this is a question from Battle Johnny. Hello, Battle Johnny. Uh, oh, I hope that's ironic. I hope, <laughs> I hope he's a man of peace. Uh, it's, a, it's a very simple question. What's the five-year plan for Palace? We've got to build a stand, haven't we? <laughs> I love this thing of building a stand. You know, yeah. But didn't, didn't Paris come out recently saying there's a three-year plan? Yes, he's gone... Quite quiet on the. I I interviewed Steve recently for a, a another project uh, for a book I'm doing, football history, and and in typical Steve Parish way, after two hours he went, oh, did you want to ask me some questions? Right. Uh, but it's the one. He's and he's great. I love talking to him, but it's quite cagey on the on the stand and the time scale for it. But my understanding is that it's 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 nothing to do with finances. It is all to do with sorting out 
issues with the council. <coughs> I, I accept that we probably do need a stand. I mean, the grounds, the two stands are not properly fit for purpose. I'd rather see the half away sorted out than that stand. But you just got to think that law of averages, we will go, <coughs> we will go down at some point in the next five, ten years. And I've always said it'd be shame if that happens without the stadium being developed in some way. That's really a good point. That's just always been at the back of my mind. Because we don't have the investment of, like, a Man City. So the only way the stand's going to get built is if we just stay up long enough to um, stabilise. So that's that's just my thought on it. Well, we were told mm. that the money was there, if, even yeah, if we I, go down, right? That, that's so, my understanding, is that the stand will get will get built. I mean, then obviously well, you've got a different problem then because you've got to... You've got to fill it, yeah. And we, it, it makes perfect sense for Fulham to build a new stand because they're they're the proper tourist club. If you're coming to London, you want to see professional football. You you can get a ticket for Fulham quite even in the Premier League. You can get a ticket because they had that neutral bit. So, but we don't or can't really attract tourists in the same way. So, I'd be interested to see how we're going to attract. I mean, obviously we will fill it as we. But as Jesse says, the longer we stay in the Premier League, the more likely it is that we will need a new stand. See, I'm. I'm, my sceptical hat on, I hope that this whole planning permission granted for the stand, planning permission granted for the academy or the, you know, the training facilities isn't also a ploy as a means of dressing up the club for a buyer. It's a bit like when you sell your house and you either get planning permission to do an extension, you go, I'll throw that in, or when you put <laughs> bread in the oven. I don't, I, don't get, I don't get the impression that is the case. I mean, I've, I think we, the, the, the two stands aren't fit for purpose. We know that. There's very few seats that haven't got an obstructive view. Both, you know, it's very difficult to get. The alpha weight is, is, a, is a mess. The hospitality stuff in the, in the main, the old stand is, is better, but it's still not fit for purpose for Premier League ground. But I don't, I think, I don't think we're building that to get investment in the academy. I think is, if you had a choice between building the academy and the, the stand, it'd be the academy because that that looks brilliant. The plans for that look brilliant, and that's all to do with the fact that we've been missing out on a lot of young talent because our academy facilities haven't been fit for purpose. And that's that's a long-term plan, which is something we haven't seen for a while, because it means we can become, I think the phrase is predator club, which means we can actively go out and, and where Chelsea and people like that have been taking kids from our area, we can start attracting kids to what is... I mean, it looks fantastic. It looks amazing, the, the, the academy. And I think that's that will definitely happen, and that's more important for the future of the club. I do, I mean, I think all of us have this strange love affair with Sellers Park because it is, a, I mean, it, you, it's hard to disagree with every, literally every time I go to work after a, a, a game, there'll be a fan of the waiting going, what the fuck, that's a terrible place, you go, yeah, well, it is, yeah, it's a chill, but it's, it's ours and we love it. Well, it's, and, it's, it's a good point, actually, I mean, from a branding point of view and a global level, it's it's the one romantic, you know, kind of old stadium almost. Yeah. Maybe Everton or them, they're moving on. You know, it's like tourists when they come to the UK, you know, do they want to go to the London Eye of Stonehenge? Yeah. You know, in a way, we've kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, so, what about on the pitch? I mean, I, I, I'm, I think we probably should apologise to Battle Johnny's. I think he probably that's what he meant, is yeah. on the pitch. But, I mean, I still think this is a generational thing. I'm staying up is always going to be my ambition, yeah. I think. Really, hundred percent. I don't. I mean, I can't even think of Europe. I don't. Yeah. it's too abstract for my. Yeah, it'd be nice, mm. but I think I've seen too many clubs 
I mean, it sort of broke Burnley a little bit getting into Europe. Yeah. They've never been quite the same since. I mean, the other interesting point, which probably needs another pod, but in the future, in five years' time, are we going to see a whole different face of football where we're playing in a different structured league anyway? You know, where it's it's us and Everton and another team that are leading that league and the rest have flown away, you know. So it'd be interesting in five years' time to see what does football look like anyway. Well, without... Uh Making this sound like a commercial for another podcast. If you <laughs> really tune into the Prize of Football, yeah. oddly enough, we we do talk about that. The prize and and Kieran, who's the football expert, he's fairly convinced the European Super League has to happen. Mm. I mean, they're making changes to the Champions League format, so there's going to be the Champions League, the Europa League, and one underneath that. Yeah, um, the season will have to be uh, longer the English football season to accommodate all those games so essentially the the big clubs in Europe get there so the Bayern Munich the Barcelona's they're essentially a super league anyway if you look at the way money's distributed from the Champions League this it's really odd coefficient which means Bayern Munich Liverpool Barcelona get most of it anyway because they take into account your domestic league position and all sorts of stuff so that, I think that will eventually that will have to happen and then that will be an opportunity for clubs like Palace and Everton if we look at the growth where Palace are at the moment and then we're looking in five years time we could become a team a squad of purely utility players which would be amazing so one week you have a player who plays centre back the next week he's playing centre forward it, it's plug in and play football you know so we're going to keep that trajectory with the transfer Policies and, and and Windows stuff. It's it's. Well, don't forget by your logic, VAR will have sorted all that out anyway. So wearable technology, perfect game. Wearables. wearables. Yeah. I, was I, think, um, I was thinking if, if VAR did really create an advantage for a certain type of player. So someone like Jamie Jamie Vardy. I don't think I've seen him really. He doesn't get offside because his pace means it's, he's always onside. Yeah. He can always get the ball to those yeah, yeah. long balls. So, so and, well, and he's I, got the goals to show for it. I think it will change the way teams defend because I think teams. Uh, somebody will eventually just say to their back four, "Just stay on the eighteen-yard box," because they, they, you, they won't be spaced to get behind you. And if they do, they'll be offside. So, but anyway, we, let's not get we'll back. Fight, so <laughs> well, no, no, no. We're moving on. It's a question from Dave Cook, fifty-four. Um, okay. We've, we touched on this. Basically, it's a good question. If both are fit, is it PVA or Gyro? Which, and I think the fact that Dave Cook, 54, is even asking that question is an indication of how well Gyro's actually done. So, out of which one? Uh, which, yeah. Oh, which, PVA is the best finisher we have in the club. <laughs> yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, that's <coughs> I a, totally that's, agree. That's a really good point. I'm it's a shame he's not allowed so. to shoot until the 80th minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. So, the, that's a good point as well, Jesse, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is, so P- PVA? They're both Dutch, so we can't, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they, but, I mean, no, PVA, 100. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think so, yeah. Because I think PVA, if the pattern of previous seasons continues, he'll probably get five or six goals in the last ten games and end up as our top goal scorer anyway. But that's a good point about his finishing. He's a great... Yeah, he's and he's one of five players who actually plays in the position they want to play in in, in the team as well. So, it's so let's be fair, he did put a shoot for a throw-in against uh, West Ham. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, fair point. Now, there are several questions about Roy. I think we could win the Premier League and there's still be several questions about Roy along the same line. Um, Aaron Critchard uh, articulates one point of view. Hello, Aaron. Uh, Basically, is Roy's time up? Can the club progress with his management style regardless of investment? 
from the owners, whereas Adam Sinski, I apologise if I'm mispronouncing that, says, apart from Steve Koppel, do you agree that there's no one that can compete with Roy's record as a Palace manager, given the sparse resources and how difficult the Premier League is? And Aidan Grant says the same, given how much money teams like West Ham have spent and yet still find themselves struggling, surely Roy's efforts with the net spend we've had. So it's, it's, it's interesting, that it's disappointing that a lot of people do still mirror Aaron's point of view and it's a perfectly valid one that despite our league position we're not a sexy club we're not a club that you'd imagine uh, are attracting a lot of investors and I'm not entirely sure that investors look at the style of football because they would bring in their own managers anyway but it's whatever Roy can't do right for doing wrong can he really John? Yeah it, it, it's a really interesting I think those who are, you know I've criticised Roy but those who seem to be hell bent on taking him down just put yourself back in the time when he had Kabai, Benteke, Zaha and Loftus-Cheek playing together and the type of football we played. And that was actually most of the time without Benteke, it was playing with a false number nine. And we played some fantastic football that was unplayable and, and, and people were talking about it. So what Roy has done has been, go way above Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's halfway through the season yeah. and you're complaining. It's, yes. you know. Well, there's a, a, a Michael Fogarty, who's a, a Patreon, uh, so this counts as a Patreon question. Uh, again, he's articulating something a lot of people have said about uh, Roy Jesse, and that's the, the substitutions. Um, it, it still, and it, the, the, his point is an interesting one. Is it, in fact, is his stubbornness in not using the bench until very late on, perhaps making the injury crisis worse, because players that are tired are not getting the break they should and he he does seem reluctant sometimes perhaps less so recently but he does seem reluctant to to throw subs on and to close games down and and you could argue that if he'd made changes earlier in the in the Southampton game and perhaps moved the game Newcastle in particular when we looked leggy you could say if he'd brought somebody on 15 minutes from time to just play a little bit further into their half rather than sit back common sense says that's the right thing to do and I think he got a bit of he came in the fire a little bit for Southampton. He only made one sub yeah. to a team that had played forty eight hours earlier. Um and even then the player he put on was Kiate, who was not Injured. fit. Yeah. yeah. And you've got meanwhile you've got players on the pitch who so on the bench who have no in- injury concerns like Wickham at the moment mm. and did all right, set up a Killer assist for A's goal. <laughs> yeah. Which we didn't he, well, he played yeah. well in that game. Yeah. yeah, no, he did. I mean, that's one of the bonuses. Uh, Wickham's back to fitness. So he looks, and to your but point earlier, AU was a bit, was but, blowing but, a little Jesse, bit. Jesse, I mean, he's, he's, he's been a manager at the highest level. He managed England. He managed Liverpool. I mean, albeit they're the two clubs he didn't, not clubs, but the two teams he did worst at, if you like. He, he must know it. He must know the players. He must know whether the players are fit. Mm. The players clearly want to carry on playing. He, you know, he makes substitutions when he when he has to. It's just maybe it's the thing. It's just a, a, a throwback to his, his his age and the fact that he, he, when he started in football, there was only one sub, and he maybe that's just one. Thing. I don't know. It's a gripe. As, as um, I, I, I think, said, I, I was thinking a, that he should have brought on plays at Newcastle as well and against the Saints. New, but for me, Newcastle was the one where you the, think this yeah, clearly this team they're, is they're, tired. They're, yeah. forcing the bum back. There, there was a, there was a time when. Um, you know, there are times when he, he replaces Ayu and he looks really upset he's been coming mm. off, you know. So obviously, you know, he kind of knows... What, but then, I, I, I don't know, I can't help think that it's political. I, I think that Roy's there 
and every season, every transfer window, he's kind of going, show me some support here. Yeah. And he yeah. doesn't get it. And he knows that he has to keep this club up. He knows that he's got a, a, a bonus and he will do that. He will. He's not going to deliberately make players injured. He's going to do it the best way possible to keep this club up. And, if, <coughs> and so far it's working. So, again, I'd like to see... But he's got no one, I think Selzy says this, there's no one on the bench who's going to come on and change the game. And Selzy made the really important point when with Saints, when they balled on substitutes, they were offering something different. Yeah. Ball carriers yeah, yeah, came yeah, on yeah. to change the dynamic of the game. We haven't yeah. had that at the club. I can't remember when they were, you knew that you could bring another kind of player, not to shut the game down, but to give something else. But there's well, t- it's, it's like, t- sorry, just it's like Brighton, <coughs> Glenn Murray on. Okay, yeah. It changes the game completely. Yeah, because, exactly. Because he, he will just hold the ball up, slow the He'll game get down. a foul, yeah, he'll yeah, slow yeah. it down. Exactly. Yeah, I think there's, there's two things there then. So there's Roy being Roy and his sub strategy being a bit old school and political. But then there's also, at this time of year, that kind of he has to budge a little bit on that. If with we're, we're threadbare, playing games so fast in succession. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you saw I me. Mean, Leicester made nine changes, I think, for the West Ham game. Yeah, and still comfortably beat well, West Ham. Saints didn't play Ings against Chelsea. No. They rested him because they knew yeah. Palace was the most important yeah. game. Yeah. Well, we need to move on, and we've had a lot of questions about the, the transfer windows. And I apologise, uh, especially to Jim Foster and Sam at underscore Blue Jumper, for not getting around to your question. Um, Particularly the question about Sorlots forming Turkey, but we'll talk about that in another pod. But I do want to ask this question, which is from Tony G. Um, Hello, Tony. Tony. Uh, basically, his question is, if we sign a striker in January, will it make a difference? Because it means that Hodgson will probably have to set aside some of his rigidity, tactical-wise. Because the problem is, for any striker we do sign, we're not creating chances. So we'd have to sign someone who can create chances out of nothing, and they're few and far between, and whatever striker we get in is going to be still working on scraps because like you say John Camaras is not going to obviously not going to play because if he's not been picked in this crisis he won't be playing so but how did Batshuayi score goals last season no, nothing changed with the creativity oh, if anything Batshuayi came in Schlupp started scoring more yeah, so you know so yeah. there is a thing about quality and what quality gives a team as well and that up, you know that, that kind of uplift so I, I you know my fear it's going to be someone like Peter Crouch is he playing? No, he's well, officially there you go. He's on I, was with, I was with him yesterday. He's officially retired. From, no, not well, the came out. He put away yesterday after the recording of the last show. He won't be playing for anyone <laughs> for, the, for the moment, to be perfectly honest. But it's, I mean, Batshuayi is an interesting role. And uh, oddly, because normally this time of year, fueled by Sky, it's rumour, rumour, rumour. I suppose the good thing is that there's no rumours about Wilf leaving. Um, it, you know, he's not playing spectacularly well but you assume we will get a strike maybe but, but I mean for me that's why it would be the perfect solution because I still think Wilf will be going to Chelsea in the summer and I still think as a sweetener for that we may well get that's why because he's not really starting for Chelsea but that's a good point because he did score six mm. or seven I think so well, yeah we that's <coughs> all we really need is a player to come in and score six or seven yeah. that'd be ideal I mean, it's a must. Yeah. We started the season with two less strikers than we finished with. Yeah, right. Batshuayi yeah. and Solot, who yeah. has gone on to do okay in Turkey, but put his um, ability in the Premier League to one side. He's, an, he's a, a striker vacancy created with him departing. So we had two strikers down starting the season. Benteke's misfiring again yeah, and now injured. And injured in, in inverted commas, possibly. A's 
doing far better than anyone expected. But, but st- still only scored five goals. Still only scored yeah. five, and Norwich, who are bottom of the league, yeah. have a striker who's scored nine. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. it's it's a must. Would have scored more without VAR. We have a phobia towards strikers. I mean, go back to battle Johnny's thing about five years. I mean, we've got five years to get four strikers. That's, <laughs> hopefully that's what's going to happen. We, but we've never been... I mean, we've had... The, the likes of Ian Wright and Andy Johnson are kind of aberrations for us. Really, we've never been a club that's had a... Chris Armstrong. Yeah, this, yeah fair enough. Chris yeah. Armstrong was yeah. amazing. He's determined to get contradict everything yeah. after the VAR. Ask Sherwin-Williams during the sweet summer sale, June 30th through July 10th, and get 30% off paints and stains with prices starting at $31.14. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Uh, we do need to move on because it is, it's the last pod of the decade. It's New Year's Eve. Um, it's been a remarkable decade, let's face it, for Palace, considering where we were potentially in May, June 2010 and where we are now. So it's a time to look back and celebrate, but obviously Palace fans, being Palace fans, there'll be some moments, I'm guessing. So um, we asked... Uh, we did... We asked. Do I say asked or shout it out, Jesse? Asked who... Do we we asked fireworks Southland? We asked we asked fans, didn't we? For the before we got into our moments of the decade, we asked fans for a couple of their suggestions. I think we did, yeah. I think we uh, we sourced them from the fan base. Oh, did we? I'm guessing we did. Was JD's yeah. giving me a whole list of them? So yeah. Yeah, he might have made them up. But it's quite possible because <laughs> yeah, he has got very. Um, so the moment of the decade, basically, is what we're talking about. There's some suggestions for this. The first one is from Chris Chapman. Hi, Chris. Chris. Chris is an old mate of mine, Chirpy. Um, uh, I, and I think I probably agree with him, to be perfectly honest. Chris Ball is, is his suggestion for the moment of the decade. It's just Palace as a team, in a nutshell, which is like 80 minutes of nothing, and then 10 minutes of fireworks, which is a good suggestion. Tommy Smith has gone Hillsborough 2010, the image of Paddy, Lawrence, Butterfield, Derry, sprinting towards the away end, will never leave my memory. Um, Pad underscore Deadman. I like the referee inexcusably blowing the full-time whistle at Hillsborough before Sheffield Wednesday got to take the corner kick that they would have obviously scored from <laughs> and sent us into liquidation, which is a brilliantly Palace way yeah, yeah. putting it. It's fantastic. Uh, Rob Leonard, um, Connor Wickham's winner in the semi-final, which is a, mm-hmm. a, a good... Soaring cheer. header. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it's an indication of what he could do for us. Uh, David Cheeseman, the punch in the FA Cup final goal, which great. Ricky B... Watching the playoff semi-final, second leg, the Brighton on the television at home, uh, while his brother and nephew did the same in New Zealand. That's lovely. Uh, Brockman 372. Uh, this is a one that uh, Andy Street would like if he were here. Uh, Stuart O'Keefe kicking the ball at Abdi at Wembley, uh, or Stuart O'Keefe's wonder goal versus Sunderland, <laughs> which, which yeah, makes yeah. me wonder whether Brockman 372 is in fact uh, a pseudonym for um, uh, PC Wires. Losing the first seven games of the season and then beating Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Perfect Palace moment. Pete underscore Coombs. Hearing what the Red and Blue Army meant to Damien Delaney when he was on our pod, which was mm-hmm. great. I, I've, we saw him the other night. Uh, he's still one of the most terrifying men I've ever met mm-hmm. in the flesh, or what he was like to play against. And also, I think my favourite Damien Delaney moment was when he said his favourite game was 0 0 
away at Millwall with him and Danny Gabbard on it. So that was the best performance ever, which is only a central defender would say that a nil-nil was the best. Uh, now, I, I apologise to Wojtek because I'm, I think I'm probably getting Wojtek's first name right, but Smigovic, S-M-I-G-O-C-I-C. I'm afraid my Polish uh, or my Czech isn't uh, up to pronounce that. I do beg your pardon, Wojtek. But Wojtek has a dilemma. It's between being promoted to the Premier League in 2013 or Townsend's volley against Man City or Ayo's masterpiece from a few days ago or... Balassi's flick versus Tottenham, mm. which is a, a lovely moment. Mikko Kurinen, the winner at Old Trafford earlier this season. So, boys, it's over to you. I mean, they're, I mean, they're just some of many, many. We had loads. I think they're, and, they're, 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 so, so they're two for me that stand out. The, the march to the city of London. Oh. From South uh, London to North England. Yeah. And um, I think what was important, it wasn't just about this club being saved, it was what happened fairly quickly after that. And, you know, um, I think... I don't know if I've mentioned this in the pod before. I probably have. Uh, I'm not ashamed of it, but I had to work that day. Mm. But when I found out the, the result of the high court judgment, I had to go to the toilet at work and I sobbed, basically, yeah. for... No, I was, I was there. There was a massive it. football game that started yeah. as well. The police were... Yeah. But there was something really important, just very quickly... Parish, uh, apart from saving it with, 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 with the consortium, but what happened and how he rejuvenated reju- a sense of pride. It, it, we look at the election campaigns at the moment, or what happened, mm. it's all about the, the winner will be the one who makes f- people feel optimistic about the future, and that's what he did. And I remember, you know, you're on a bus coming back from Victoria over Vauxhall Bridge, and the first thing you see is this massive banner saying, or this massive uh, uh, advertising kind of hauling saying, South London Proud. Mm. And I was like, what is this? And it was absolutely superb. That, that, that. It wasn't just the saving of the club. It, that was the beginning of why we, were, we are where we're here now. That's the way with using his advertising background, you instilled a sense of it's okay. This is what it is. Mm. This is the future. This is who we are. We have a spirit. We have a heartbeat. Let's go. That was genius. So for me, that really stood out. Then also Julian Spironi's penalty save against Burnley. In the second season, I think we were. Yeah. yeah, I think that that kept that didn't just keep us up. It was nil nil, wasn't it? Yeah, it was nil nil. But yeah. I think it was, it yeah. allowed us to really then yeah. build. So that's my two moments. Yeah, your argument about the images because I, you know, Thornton Heath is a is a part of the world that desperately needs investing in. But I do love the fact that when you walk down Thornton High Street, those pictures of Palace players are there now. Yeah, that when mm-hmm. you walk from the station. You know you're going to Palo. Away fans know they're going towards Sellers Park in, in a way that five, six, seven years ago you didn't. You had no sense. And I think that South London and Proud thing is a genius bit of branding. But, I mean, it's not my yeah. world, but that's a very clever. <coughs> thing. Exactly. Yeah. I did you know? And Steve got his really good marketing guy in. You know, but it was just how that idea. And I did some work with the club a few years ago about the whole kind of you know what, what, what fans stand for and stuff. But the South London Proud thing. Um, and the Thornton Heath thing, you know, that resonated globally as well then, once we're in the premiership. Yep. It sits with the east coast of America. Mm. It doesn't necessarily sit with China, but what does is the boy done good, mm. right? So all of a sudden you had this school of hard knocks, this concrete city, which is Crystal mm. Palace, where we sit, and it became fertile ground to make, it, to make us into something big as a brand as well. And, and, and you know, they had the, the credit that has to go to Steve for that. Also, Jesse, it's, 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 it's kind of... We all know the area we live in, 
and Palace is one of the few, but you've got people like Stormzy, which is an amazing success story to come out of Thornheath. And Palace are one of the few things that put our area on the map. And people don't realise how economically deprived so much of our area is. You only have to walk down Thornheath High Street to see how difficult things are. You only have to walk around parts of Norwood Junction to see how difficult things are. And we are a success story in the middle of that. And we sometimes I think we forget that. Jesse, how well we've actually done that we've established ourselves in the in the Premier League. Yes, the football's not sexy, but we're ninth in the Premier League. We're ninth in the best league in, in the world. And that's not something <coughs> most of us of my generation would ever imagine would would happen on a regular basis. No, I'd love, love to see a documentary about this decade for Palace. In, <coughs> put that to an hour, it would be compelling. I'd love to see that. Well, that, well, let's put that shout out to Alan Ryan, who made the, yeah. the brilliant team of the 80s. But, but sorry, just on, just, I'm going, you, you yeah. touched on the The what it has done for the community, not just from a branding position, but the brand can feed community. What it's done in relation to investment, the club could have tried to step back from what was happening, say, with Box Park, but they've joined up a good relationship, you know, and work with, that I did with the club was all about actually being part of Croydon, not being just a standalone. When, right? when you know, and that, <coughs> that's really, and, and that's, that's going to give it so much more power. It gives it, you know, that type of identity about being edgy. Box Park fits the brand values. Mm. It, it's there on the right, you know. And, and a week ago when the West Ham fans were at Sellers, you, uh, you was in those sort of downtime moments of the match when you actually might hear them make a noise. You did think, what do they think coming to a stadium like this once a season compared to what they're used to now? It's, it must, it must rankle a little bit. But a few moments for me for the last decade is Damo's performance against Costa. That was amazing. Oh. I think that goes well under the radar. Yeah. The, well, he talks about that himself, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. And at a time when Costa was the most potent striker yeah. in yeah. the league. Yeah. Um, I think there was a picture, my favourite picture is when I think we played Bolton still before we came up and there's a picture of Zaha right, surrounded by about seven players from Bolton and it's, I don't, you might remember that but it's just psychotic just to see the amount of tension that, that he got from other teams when he was still so young uh, and not another Palace player in the picture. I think Tasty Jerk and its smoke announcing <laughs> the manager was uh, yeah, one of the best things the club's yeah. done. <laughs> um, but for me... the the sort of more left field games well not really but he's been mentioned a little bit and it's not Christian Ball and it's not Brighton in the playoffs was the Chelsea Roy's first win the Chelsea yeah. win because yeah. he'd had two weeks to prepare for that yeah. an international week and we'd lost seven yeah. um, and he just threw in Andros and Zaha as two strikers no one saw that coming yeah. that's the first time he With did no it number nine, but, yeah. and just watching yeah. David Luiz crumble and I think Conte never played him again after yeah. that and um, and we played it wasn't it wasn't the back we, we thoroughly deserved it we played yeah. football that, that was, and it was Spironi yeah. it was coming back into that game yeah. after being in the wilderness for a long a time lot, yeah. Yeah. I think for me the, the <coughs> I think my moment, because we're supposed to be talking... Are we moment or match? Well, we're supposed to be sort of structured, but we're running out of time, so I just think pick a a highlight. Because for me, I think... Every time I close my eyes, I see Kevin Phillips' penalty going. Yeah, basically, Because that was one of those... That wasn't meant to happen. It wasn't meant to happen so quickly. And I think we all thought, even... I think probably on the train on the way home, we kind of went from euphoria to we'll finish bottom. But it turned out to be the start of something. But just the atmosphere that day was was fantastic. Because I think that was, for me, that was a day when the real relief that still having a club came out. And the fact that Kevin Phillips scored it against his own club. I know it started a rivalry against... But, but for me, the game was the Chelsea one with the John Terry own goal one yeah. followed by the... The, the, the miraculous Julian Speroni save and there's, a, there's that brilliant YouTube thing that somebody filmed from the back of the Arthur Way when it's literally 
shaking. And I think that, for me, that's... We know we had that, those two or three seasons when the atmosphere was second to none, but that, that game in particular, that was, that was just... I think I'm going to go for 2011, Palace against Brighton at the mm. Amex. It was their first, de- Brighton's first defeat at their new, their new ground, and we were, I think, favourites to get relegated. Yeah, and yeah. Then all of a sudden, we went 1-0 down, yeah. and all of a sudden, Johnny Williams just turned the game. I think Glenn Murray got the nickname FFS. FFS from that game. So, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, you know what? That, was the che- that, that game changed... That was the yeah. beginning. That sat there with um, South London proud. What I was talking about, and for me, that game was the catalyst that that, that took us to the next mm. stage. Yeah, yeah. If, well, I the other one as well, which is a very personal one. I think I've met is when we beat Hull four 0 when Will scored after five minutes, which was Ali had been proper. Philip Patrick was ill. Yeah, no, oh, the, no sorry, no, the, that was the, yeah, the yeah. Allardyce one yeah. when Ali had been. Properly, properly ill for a long yeah, time. Yeah. We didn't know how, what the outcome was going to be, and we just heard that it was probably going to be fine. Like three days before, so that for me, that half time at that game was just That's brilliant. Just because, again, I cry my eyes out because I, I, just, I don't think I've ever been prouder of being a Palace fan than that day. And, they, yeah. and, and in the, at the end of the game. It's like the last scene in Zulu. It's like I was, my mates were saying, come on, we've got to get to the pub. I just couldn't drag myself. I had to st- I just stood at the top of the Homesdale Road watching Sellers Park. It's yeah. like it's, and I feel sorry for people who don't sport Palace, really. <laughs> I always feel sorry for people who don't get football. Yeah. But I genuinely feel sorry for people who don't sport Palace because I don't, without being able to define why, I do think we are unique as a club. And there are times when we all get the, the fellowship and unity that we need in life at Sellers Park. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, exactly. Yeah. John, so I know this has gone more random than I thought it was yeah, supposed to do, Jesse, because I, I, I thought it didn't feel like the moment just to go best game, best no, goal. Yeah, exactly. but, but John, I know you've got a couple because you're waving your mobile well, phone what, at me. With, one of the things that came, yeah, that was most typical Palace. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, um, that's in the last. So I actually listed four, one of which was Poogate. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Pugate because we yeah. we spin the whole story, so basically it was what, it was our coach driver, but that got Gus Poit sacked mm. and got us promoted. Fact, right? The other one, transfer windows, most typical Palace thing. Third one I put was Pardew, most Dance. just expansive football. Yeah, well, also, well, Pardew dancing as well, I think. That goes into Maverick, it. the exactly. Maverick football. Yeah. Pardew dancing almost while the Man United scored their next goal kind of sums up Palace a little yeah, to an extent. Exactly. Yeah. So, and the other one was the most expensive lights installed by the Americans to create an atmosphere <laughs> that they used once. Yeah, I think, yeah, was yeah. It? The final one, which is actually more of an important typical Palace thing because it's about the spirit of Palace, the Palace Foundation. Yeah. Which yeah. uh, it's. You know, it's incredible the, the 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 continuous work that they're doing, um, but also in the last couple of years, the homeless, the, the stadium being used as a a shelter for the homeless. And I know that's that, for me that that is typical Palace. That goes back to what we're saying about it. And I wanted to say quickly what I know about the homeless shelter. You know, the night the night shelter is that I met actually on last year the morning of it, early in the morning, I was there mm. having a meeting with Phil Alexander and he made no noise about it. He made, ab- and he, and, and it was Croydon, Croydon Council yeah. that made the noise and that got worldwide coverage yeah. about a football team. So Palace weren't doing that in any way yeah. to market themselves, to make themselves look like corporate responsibility mm. rubbish. They just did it. Well, right? And that's the, really important. To the extent, we... John, that I think there are probably people listening to this pod who don't know the full story because mm. there's been so little publicity about it from the club, which is basically when the temperature 
falls below a certain level, the club becomes a, an emergency yeah. shelter for the homeless and provides meals and bedding. And the and, palace, and, palace staff will volunteer yeah, yeah. for that, you know. Yeah. So it, it's it's and the fact that they don't make a noise about yeah. it, I think there's something so so well, pure about that. For me, what's so special about that, and again, this is for, for another pod, is that I've always argued that Sellers Park is is not enough for it to be a community hub one day in a fortnight. It should be open every every. I'm just, yeah. I bang on about this all the time. But yeah, there should be old folks' luncheons. There should be Samaritans. There should be, and it's. And I think we're working towards that. And that, that what you've just described is uh, very important in that. And mm. I, like you said, in fact, we didn't do it for good. Just very quickly before we move on to part uh, four, um, I think Wilf would be our player of the season, as Jamie Penson Roger quite rightly points out. But we got a non-Wilf player of the decade. I'm sure I'm Spir- he, he, he suggests well, he suggests Wardy yeah. Speroni or Macca. What a non uh, a non Wilf uh, take Wilf out of the equation. Oh, I see. Okay, I thought I was going to say Jordan March. No, but no, <laughs> I heard that. Well, I'd say mine would probably be Belassi. In terms of wanting to watch a player, Yannick would probably be the one for. He's the one that I missed the most. I think he had a good he had a good ending that story because yeah. we got thirty million pounds for him. Yeah. Uh, whereas it, we knew Jules was going to fade in out, yeah. which was always. An inevitability, but both great stories, both of them. I'd say demo as well. We'd yeah, be teetering around that. Okay, good. Um, well, just uh, two thoughts to end on. One is from PC Wires. Second ever FA Cup final, longest sustained period in the Premier League. Wins against the big six. It's probably our best decade ever. You'd have to say. Sack Roy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got one uh, typical no, palace. One, one typical palace to throw in is yeah, our fans uh, graffitiing our own bus. <laughs> yeah. Never, yeah, lest we forget. Yeah, yes, fair point. Well, also, uh, if we're talking about travel, the boat to Fulham, when the seagull landed on the boat to Fulham and was amazed by the volume of abuse it got. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was thinking about, that's probably my favourite moment. We got that disco, got the disco boat to Fulham and this poor seagull <laughs> trying to scavenge chips. Something. I think this is a Twitter thread waiting to happen. The I most think obscure it, I things think... happen every year over the last 10 years. Well, those, I mean, those are the sort of things that make football brilliant yeah. for those of us that, that love it and uh, live it and go to as many games as we can get to. And it's never as many as we want when we get older. But that's just a joyous moment because, mm. you know, there's a, a boat full of tourists passing is going in the opposite direction. We just would have no idea why these middle-aged men in booing a seagull. There must be a video of that. You'd like to think so, mm, wouldn't I you? hope so. Um, uh, yeah, so let's end that. Let's end, let's end with a seagull being booed and we'll yeah. be back in a couple, <laughs> of, couple of ticks. <laughs> um... Welcome back to part four of the FYP pod with uh, me, Kevin Day, and Jesse Boyce, and John Curran. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that rather rambling uh, journey through the decade. There should have been more structure to it, but it's Palace, so what do you think? Uh, A quick look at uh, the upcoming games. We've got Norwich tomorrow. Um... 5.15, 6 o'clock, bizarre BT Sport, I've had it moved, every game's on BT Sport tomorrow. Oh, wait, Norwich, it's it's one of those games, uh, John, you'd... Well, it's Norwich are playing good football but not winning games. So mm-hmm. it's one of those games where you hope Norwich come at us the way they've come at other teams and we can try and hit them on the break. Yeah, I think, I mean, my main concern about that is a four day break mm. um, with the injuries we've got. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm already saying a point this is chip away and get, you know, if we, if we get something more fine and we play that. But I think we're just going to have to really kind of 
tire them out defensively. Yeah. Um, I don't think then they become that strong anymore, and we could nick something then. But I can't imagine us kind of dominating the game with because of the injuries that we've got. If we can get Jesse a point and end the decade with twenty-eight points from twenty-one games, it essentially means three wins from uh, how many games? Seventeen. Mm. We'll see us safe. You'd kind of think. For all that we've talked about, this has been a brilliant decade. This would be the sort of first time, without tempting fate, that we've been in a situation where you think this this early in the season we should stay up, even given the fact that there isn't a team that's cut adrift. You know, probably Norwich and Villa will go down, but in previous years, like last year, Huddersfield were definitely going down. But it's it's quite a source of optimism, that, isn't it? Well, I'll be in the dugout, so I can't really comment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you expect? Do you think? Do you think Gyro? And I'm assuming. I think Gyro will start. Do you think you'll start with Meyer again, or do you think Kiati will be rested enough to come back in? Um, I mean, it's just so many players are getting rested right now. It's difficult to to predict. Mm. I can't see Norwich resting players for any they reason. Can't. But they, no, they, yeah, they, they, they need a win, that. right? Yeah. Got I'm, win. I'm encouraged by how well we played against them at home. Because at that point you, you, they were a little bit more threatening than they have yeah. been. Well, since. also that was the game that we actually went. It was after the Wolves game, wasn't it? When everyone was very angry, and that we went looking for the second goal to to beat them, didn't we? Um, I think it is pretty mind-boggling looking at our points total because it's usually March when we've got this amount. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think we're eight, nine points yeah. this time last season. It's, it's so impressive. And if we yeah. have, as you said, Jesse, if we have the second part of the season that we've come to expect then it's going to be lovely is it just is it but there's so many at the same time we don't seem that far ahead of a lot of teams behind us they just everyone's had a similarly good ish start to the season apart from the bottom three I'd say well they've got 18 so yeah. Yeah, we're a lot of points yeah. ahead of I mean we're quite a few points ahead of I, I think Watford Possibly won't go down, but I think they're nine points behind us. Mm. Still, quite a lot of points. No, they're further than nine. Even, yeah, even at yeah. this stage. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's encouraging. You just really hope that that it's just a typical Palace. If we do win two or three, and we're at forty points in, in mid-January or towards the end of the window closing, when we do our business traditionally, it might be well, we're safe already. Why are we well, buying anyone? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. A, yeah. I I I think. The club, Steve in particular, are fully aware of the fact, that the, the, especially the noises that Roy's been making publicly. Palace fans are happy with the way things are going, but there will be it'll be very contentious if we don't bring certainly left back and right back covering. Yep. But also, again, I suppose their argument would be you can't just spend money on players to cover for the rest of the season. You've got to be these have got to be players that will fit in for, for the next two or three seasons. And if, yeah. and if, but again, if he doesn't bring some sort of striker in. Out of wherever. I think we'll wherever. see Max start. I think against Norwich. I think yeah. yeah. I think there's no mm. no option. The only the only sad thing he that means he has three starts in a row, but they're three starts again as what I mentioned out of position. Yeah. And I, I hope that he he has one of those games. You know, we hope that he does. But I can imagine Kiate being rested again and McCarthy taking his place. Yeah, I thought he did all right against Saints. He was a gutsy. Yeah. But Maya yeah. still has this uh, tendency to hold on the ball too long and get crowded out and then give it up. Mm. And I think that's one of Roy's pet hates with him is he yeah. doesn't protect the ball enough. But that's 
uh, a throwback from the league he's been playing I in think so now, isn't it because um, you get much more yeah. time and space on the ball to do that whereas you, when you see Townsend or PVA get crowded out they've always got yeah. a little turn in them yeah. that opens up some opportunity and, and he plays a simple lays it back to someone up the line or someone in space with Max's head down he just it did it against Southampton in front of the he sort of did this sort of marauding run across the 18 yard box got, got crowded out and lost the ball yeah. and it's just it's happening too often yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got a sneaking suspicion and it harks back to what you said about Ayu not he couldn't get off the floor against Southampton I think Wickham might start okay I think he's close to starting and I think Again, it's another cliche, but that it will be like a new signing because the, the the tragedy of his last injury was that he was starting to look like a proper Premier League striker because mm. he's you know, he's so physically strong. And again, it gives us another option. It's like he's like a good Benteke. But so the the last in the derby game, uh, I'm genuinely looking forward to because I'm hoping that it might be Rooney's first proper outing for Derby. Which I'd I'd just generally like to see, um, but do you think we'll? It's, you, you'd imagine, given the injury problems we got and the tiredness of the squad, that we'll be seeing some of the young players playing, wouldn't we? Especially in the back four. Camarasa, we've got. You'd like to think he'd play, right? Yeah. Well, maybe yeah, not though, because if he is going to be if leaving, mm. then you he won't want an injury. True. You know, uh, the, yeah. the, the, the other thing is that this is a we, well, we can't cancel his contract, which is a bizarre thing. Right. Better okay. But, cancel yeah. His contract, so there's so probably, but the other yeah. thing is that you know, are we going to see against Derby because of the injuries? We're going to be playing young players, but mm. this is a time without points tally. We should be thinking right now. We should go on a, on a cup run. Yeah. But we don't have the squad to allow us to do that. Mm, true. So you know, there's going to be an interesting dilemma with that. Yeah, I, I suspect that Roy is so conservative he won't play kids unless he absolutely is forced to. Mm. Because I. I I think also he's of that generation that does respect the FA Cup, and again, although recently it's the big, it's the top six that wins it. I think he's of that generation that thinks, yeah, we're a club that can get to the final, and I think the fans would would be hoping that. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be an interesting one, but it's it's really it's lovely to be back doing the pod again. It's lovely that it's back here. Thank you very much yeah. for your company, and it's lovely that we can end the decade. On such a positive note, ninth in the Premier League. There's, there are quibbles, yeah. but yeah, we wouldn't have it any, any other way. way, really. And and ten years ago, we nearly didn't have a club. Although you could say that by now the Phoenix Club would be winning the championship. But you know, but that would have been fun as well. Yeah. But that's a brilliant Palace thing to do, isn't it? Complain about the fact we didn't go out of business and take fifteen hundred <laughs> yeah. fans to Witten Albion on a Tuesday night. But um it's been a great decade. It's been a great decade for the pod I like to think as well. For yeah. fourteen of them whatever. Um thank you to J D for setting it all up. We miss him. Thank you to Andy Street. Uh, we miss him, although he's always close by in spirit. Uh, uh Enders, of course, we miss Endercott. We miss Selsey, but they'll all be back. We miss Travis. Um so all it leaves me to say is, uh, John, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Kev. Uh, Jesse, thank you very much for being here. Always thank you pleasure. for listening. And from all of us, a very happy new year and very happy new decade. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. 
Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Sports Social Podcast Network.